With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, Hawkeye fans, for another installment of the Hawkeye Nation Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Hawkeye Nation publisher Rob Howe, and we are recording a little bit after 1 p.m. Central Time on May the 27th. Almost made it through another month here. I can't believe it's almost June, and I've got another, I've got a birthday coming up too, which uh, is uh, kind of. <laughs> Good and bad, I guess. It's always fun to celebrate with my family, um, but it's also another year older. So uh, I will be 53 if anybody cares or were wa- or was wondering, um, and I don't feel a day over uh, 52. So uh, <laughs> there's that. Um, uh, let's see here. Where to start? Where to start? This podcast, if you're a first-time listener, is dedicated to the Hawkeye Nation user questions. Uh, we take questions via the Hawkeye Nation message boards, uh, our Twitter accounts, and also our Facebook account. So I usually hop around. I don't remember where I started last week, but this week I'm going to start with Facebook. Um, why? I have no idea. And I'm going to get out of AOL so I don't have to. Yeah, I still use an AOL account. It's one of my sub accounts where I tracked all my junk mail to. Um, but anyway, let's get into questions. You guys don't want to hear me babble anymore. Uh, Facebook, Mason Dolan asks, what can you tell us about the Ball State commit quarterback commit who plans to visit Iowa? I see he's a two-star with mostly Mac-type offers. I'm sure Iowa, I'm sure Iowa wants to land a quarterback in the class on paper. Is this the best quarterback option for us? I'll take the last part of your question First, Mason, I do not know. Um, this is the guy that uh, Iowa has decided is the best for them, and they've had a pretty good run here of quarterbacks. Uh, and this often comes down uh, a great deal to what Ken O'Keefe sees. And obviously things have changed here uh, this spring, especially this month, when, when coaches are usually able to go out on the road and watch these players uh, quarterbacks in particular throw the football um 
But Ken O'Keefe has liked what he's seen here on film. Not sure if he's if he has scouted him in person during the fall. Uh, but anyway, they've identified him as the guy, uh, having missed on several other guys that they had offered earlier in this process. And I've said this before on this podcast with a projected sophomore starter and then a freshman behind redshirt freshman behind him and then a true freshman in Deuce Hogan behind Alex Padilla you're you're you have three guys that are you know underclassmen uh, at the quarterback position right now and I don't care what anybody says it affects quarterback recruiting when their depth chart looks like it does so it's going to be hard for Iowa in the 2021 class to maybe land a highly regarded kid Um, Not because they're necessarily afraid of competition, but they're going to go to a place where there's a more open depth chart. Uh, I've never been one to say, ah, kids are running away. It's, I mean, you go where you think you have the best chance to play as early as you can. And Spencer Petrus is, you know, through three springs at Iowa. Um, Padilla's through two springs at Iowa. Granted, there wasn't any spring practice this fall, but, um, and Deuce Hogan is got, you know, comes in with, um, a lot of, uh, hype around him as a guy who people think can really be good at this level. So, um, and the, and the quarterback that, uh, you're talking about is, uh, Joey Labus from, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. He's been too busy for me to get a hold of, of him to do an interview. We've been messaging back and forth. Uh, and he let me know that he is visiting Iowa this weekend. Now, the dead period for in-face recruiting between college coaches and prospects runs through the end of June, so he can't have any in-face contact with anybody with the Iowa program while he's here, but he told me he's trying to do what he can to get a feel for what Iowa City's like. He's never been here before, so he wants to hang out in the town for a little bit, walk around campus. Obviously, it's not going to be the feel he would get uh, during normal times in the fall when school is in. Uh, and, and you know, students all over downtown and the campus, but he wants to do what he can do right now to try to learn more about Iowa. And Iowa is still able to conduct, conduct uh, virtual meetings with him, uh, probably do a virtual visit with him, things like that. All that stuff can happen. And I like the kid. I like his film a lot. I'm not I'm two-star. I mean, Stanzi was a two-star. C.J. Bethard was a three-star whose only other offer was from Ole Miss, which eventually got pulled when there was a coaching change. So Iowa was really his only option. Nate Stanley didn't have a lot of – I mean, he had – he basically had Wisconsin and Iowa. Pittsburgh, when um, – why am I – Paul Christ. Sorry about that. Brain freeze there. When he was at Pitt, he offered – uh, Nate. And then when he went to Wisconsin, he offered Nate, but Nate Stanley didn't have a lot. I think he was a three-star and there's not a huge difference a lot of times between, you know, a low three-star and a high two-star. My guess is that Labus would move up to a three-star if he gets, you know, if he ends up at a power five school and this is going to create uh, more of evaluation of him now uh, that, that maybe some of the websites may not have done. Uh, but I'm not afraid of this kid at all. Mac produces a really good level of quarterback and has throughout the years, you can make an argument that, uh, you know, overall, and I haven't done a study of that. It's not as far behind if behind at all the big 10 in terms of 
producing NFL quarterbacks. So it's kind of some feedback I can give you on that one, Mason. And we'll learn more going forward here. I hope to uh, interview Joey next week when he gets back from Iowa City just to get a kind of idea of what he thought and kind of where things stand with Iowa. So look forward, uh, look out on Hawkeye Nation for for, uh, some more uh, information on Joey Labus. Uh, Justin W.C. Borman asks, what are the chances that the tight end Moore from Johnston and Tyler Morrow from Assumption end up with getting scholarships from Iowa, I assume? And are there any other high school players that could get a scholarship by the end of the season? I don't know a ton about Moore. Um, he's, uh, you know, he, he's, he's – obviously committed to Iowa state and, and I'm not sure Iowa goes there uh, obviously. And I'll talk about him later. Cause I know I have a, have some questions on him. Uh, Thomas Fedon at a council bluffs, Lewis central is top of the tight end chart. Uh, but Iowa took two tight ends in this last class uh, and two in the previous class. Um, I think they'll go high. If they can get a, a high end tight end, they'll take him here. Uh, but I don't think they're going to force the issue. Uh, in addition to Tyler Morrow, who we'll just kind of see. I saw a story, I think it was in the Quad City Times uh, from Matt Koss, published today. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, uh, but would encourage you to check it out on the Quad City Times website that Tyler Morrow um, is not rushing his decision. I think he wants to take visits, and I think he will uh, – he's going to um, – at least from, from Matt Costa's article, he, he's not going to make a decision until after the football season. Uh, let's all hope that there is one. Uh, so I, don't th- I think there's still time for Iowa there, and I think he still wants to leave that door open for Iowa. But there becomes a point where, you know, if he's not feeling like it's going to happen with Iowa, that he has to take an offer uh, from other school that he likes. And he has plenty of really good offers. Uh, from other schools. So I certainly would not be surprised um, to see it go either way. Um, uh, what? Oh, you were asking me other guys in state. Yeah, I, you, I think you mentioned Marcus Morgan and Drew, and not Drew Cook, uh, Ashton Cook. Marcus Morgan is a quarterback at Iowa City West. Ashton Cook uh, is Marv Cook's son. Uh, Marv coaches Regina played at Iowa. Patriots, you guys know all the stories there. But uh uh, he's been banged up. He had, he's had injuries both in football and basketball and really, um, it's hurt his evaluation. I got to see him, uh, last year and I think he's got a chance to be pretty good. Um, but basketball might be his best sport. Marcus Morgan baseball might be his best sport. I think both of those chance, both of those guys have an opportunity at offers, whether or not they're going to get him or what the percentages are. I don't know. Another guy to to keep an eye on is Seth Malcolm. He's a linebacker from uh, Fremont Mills, Iowa Uh, does not have an, has not committed anywhere yet. Um, But he's on the radar and a guy, let me see what his offer list looks like. Uh, He has offers from Boise state, Iowa state, Kansas state, Minnesota, Nebraska, uh, why and Wyoming. So uh, Seth Malcolm, a linebacker out of Fremont Mills, is a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, I think Iowa wants to evaluate him more. Um, so he's a guy that uh, that is certainly on the radar. Uh, thank you for the question, Justin. Kenneth Anderson asks, any comments you have about Coach Ferentz being committed to a single quarterback through thick and thin? Thinking about Alabama switching quarterbacks in the championship game a few years ago and Ferentz sticking with an injured Bethard in, in 
bowl game after the 2016 season, I could never see Coach Ferentz switching starters if he had a bad half. Also, Iowa State, for example, took a chance playing a freshman quarterback in Purdy to great success. Does the complexity of Iowa's offense make it difficult to give a good young quarterback a chance to be successful? What if Hogan, for example, is lights out and a quarterback prodigy? Could you see Ferentz starting him several games in this season if needed? I'm always of the belief, and I know people are going to roll their eyes listening at this, but I am of the belief that the Iowa coaches, for for all intents and purposes, play the players they feel give them the best chance to win. So big picture of your question, Kenneth, I do think if, if for instance, Petrus was struggling uh, and, and Hogan looked just had a grasp on the playbook and and just was, like you said, a prodigy and just was playing better. And you, it was, you know, discernible. You could see the difference and, and Hogan should play. He, I, I don't think the coaches was, would hesitate to do that if it gave the team the best chance to win. And, you know, they, they made a quarterback change in, in 2008, going from Christensen to Stanzi. Uh, they made, a, you know, a quarterback change after 14, basically – uh, you know, pulling a, a two-year starter in Jake Rudock and, and inst- installing uh, C.J. Beathard. Um, they were going to have a quarterback competition in the spring. Who knows how that would have played out. Uh, the bowl game thing was weird. Um, the Beathard should not have been in there. And, and, you know, I'll go to my grave saying that. Uh, he wanted to be out there, but he had no business being on the field. He was a sitting duck. Um, and I thought that was a poor decision to leave him out on the field. Um, and I would tell Kirk that too. And I'm sure he'd tell me that, I, you know, just to go back to, to writing stories and not being a football coach. But I mean, we have opinions. We have sports opinions from what I see. He shouldn't have been out there, but uh, just, I mean, just from the, you know, kind of the overarching answer to your question, Kenneth is I, I think they do play the best player. I do think it is hard to learn Iowa's playbook. And we've talked about this uh, on this podcast before talked about this with Drew Tate uh, on our Hawkeye history podcast earlier this spring. Um, it's a big playbook. The coaches ask a lot of the quarterback, a lot of pre-snap things, uh, pre-snap decisions are made. Uh, it's a lot more. There's a lot more on their plate than a lot of quarterbacks, uh, including the quarterbacks at Iowa State. So hopefully I answered your question, Kenneth, and I appreciate you asking it. Uh, Tim Herzog asks, who is the best tight end of the Ferentz era? I say Dallas Clark, but there are a lot of great choices. Yeah, I mean, that's really, really tough. I mean, you think about guys that probably don't even – you wouldn't even say, okay, because uh, of uh, recency bias. You're, you're looking at Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson, great tight ends. Um, George Kittle, who's had more success in the NFL than he did at Iowa. Uh, but those guys certainly are in the, in the uh, conversation. But you look at a guy like Scott Chandler. Uh, who was really good here and then went on to a, a long NFL career. Brandon Myers, same thing. Tony Moiaki may have been the most talented and gifted guy, uh, but ends up um, being injured a lot and just never was able to stay healthy for a long period of time. Uh, great potential there. Uh, C.J. Fedorowicz, um, 
you know, was, uh, was, was doing pretty well in the NFL before the concussions took him out. And he was a good, good uh, player here. So, I mean, I'm probably missing guys too that during this era for me, it's Dallas. And some of that is, is a bias of my love for that 2002 team and, and uh, how clutch he was and how important he was uh, to what I think is Kirk Ferentz's best team. Uh, you know, all American Mackey winner, um, and when you look at it, the two Mackey winners are, are Dallas Clark and TJ Hawkinson. I would probably put those two guys at the top of the list if we're just talking about college. Um, those, you know, what they did at Iowa. Those would be my top two guys, and I would lean towards Dallas. Noah Fant would not be far behind that, and then you couldn't go wrong with a lot of those guys that I mentioned uh, as guys that would be – they would be number one at a lot of schools. So uh, that's uh, – and, and – I don't know if this question was sparked by uh, Rick Brown's article on Hawkeye Nation today, Tim, but I would encourage people, uh, excuse me, to read Rick's article uh, on just on the legacy of the tight end position during the Kirk Ferentz era. And obviously it goes back. We talked about more of Coke a few minutes ago. It goes back well beyond that uh, during the coach Fry era as well. Tight end is uh synonymous with the Iowa program and uh it's it's been fun to watch all of these guys and uh, I think we've got some good ones coming through um I think Sam Laporter's got a chance to be really good uh um, Josiah Myaman's in the program I think I think Sean Byers poised for a uh, a strong uh fifth year senior year uh you've got the freshman Luke Lachey coming in uh, um Elijah Yelverton coming in the two highly regarded freshmen that are coming into the program. So uh, position is still stocked. So be interesting to see how those guys do this year and moving forward uh, production dropped off a little bit last year, but uh, I would expect that to rebound uh, in pretty short order. So that does it for Facebook. And I appreciate the questions again from Mason, Justin, Kenneth, and Tim, and we are out on Facebook. Let's go to Twitter. Um, and I'm going there because I think I have more questions on the Hawkeye Nation message boards. So I will save that for last. And let me go here with, uh, find my hashtag, please guys. Hashtag HN mail. That's the way I go. I know I missed somebody's question last week who did hashtag HN mailbag. Um, and that's, it's a, that's an honest mistake. And I apologize for missing that question, but, uh, it just makes it easier for me during these podcasts when I'm bouncing around on my computer to different areas where there are, uh, you know, different questions to, to be able to, to find things a little bit easier. I also did want to mention before uh, I signed off, actually, I'll, 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 I'll catch up with that before we sign off, just kind of uh, programming notes and things like that that are going on uh, at, the, at the website. But uh, from three hours ago, Travis, at Travis Barnhart 6 asks, as goofy as it sounds, Nate Stanley's ability to pooch punt helped us in some good, some odd, helped us in some odd situations. Does Spencer Petrus have the ability to punt if we lined him up on fourth and short and he, and he doesn't see something he likes? <laughs> Thanks. Love the pod. Thanks, Travis. And I appreciate you listening and I appreciate your question. It's a good question. I don't know is the simple answer. I've not asked Spencer or the coaches about his ability to punt. Nate punted in high school. Um, and I don't think that Spencer punted in high school and I could be off on that. And if I am, feel free to uh, roll your eyes right now and call me an idiot. Um, but 
it, it's something I think the Iowa coaches, if, if the, if the quarterback has the ability and uh, you know, to, to maybe do that, they will. Um, and I'm trying to think of other quarterbacks have done that through the years at Iowa. You guys probably remember better than, than I do. Uh, as I said, at the top of the pod, I'm turning 53 and memory is not uh, one of my strengths these days, but uh, I think they'd probably be open to Spencer, Spencer being able to do that if he's capable of doing it. Um, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice tool to have in your belt, so to speak. And I, it did, you're right. It did work for Nate Stanley pretty well and, and obviously helped the team out. So if Spencer's capable of doing that, uh, by all means, allow him to do that. Um, and punting situation is going to be interesting here because Tory Taylor, the, the punter from Australia, does not know when he's going to be able to get here, be able to fly from Australia to get to Iowa City, uh, as we've uh, written about on the site. Uh, players uh, can get back for voluntary camp on June 8th, and uh, it'll, it'll, be an int- it'll be interesting to see when, when Taylor can get here. He's an incoming freshman from Australia. Um, and I'm sure Iowa wants to see what he can do and have him here in the punting competition. Because with Michael Sleep Dalton leaving, there's obviously a huge opening there. You have uh, Nick Phelps, a walk-on who uh, from Northwest Iowa, who originally went to North Dakota State as a walk-on and then transferred here. And then Ryan Gersande, who's on scholarship and uh, has battled injuries throughout his career. They're both going to be available uh, to, to, to punt, but uh, Taylor was thought to be one that would be uh, in the competition from the get-go, so something to monitor there. Thank you for the question, Travis. I appreciate it. Again, I appreciate you uh, listening to the podcast. Um, Iowa Fan Williams, at, Joe, at Iowa Fan Williams, Joe Williams on Twitter asks, who gains the most playing time from DJ Johnson leaving, Jamari Harris, Terry Roberts, McKinney, or someone else? That's a good question, Joe. Um, at least going into the summer, I, I think it's pretty clear that Julius Brents, Riley Moss, and Matt Hankins, not in that order, in no particular order, are your three top corners. Um, so those are the guys you're going to see the most at that position. Terry Roberts was kind of mixed in more and more as the season went on last year uh, in sub packages, nickel, dime, things like that. So I would think that he would benefit most, to answer your question most directly. I think Terry Roberts has a chance uh, to, earn, to earn the reps that D.J. Johnson – and he, he may have beaten D.J. Johnson out uh, even if D.J. stayed. Who knows? But uh, I think uh, he probably stands to benefit the most. But I think Iowa will take a, a closer look at guys like Jamari Harris and Daron McKinney uh, guys who redshirted last year. I know Coach Parker really was complimentary of Harris. They traveled them to Iowa State. Uh, I think he was warming up with the twos in the pregame. Uh, so he was kind of right there. But as we all know, these guys develop at different rates, and it's hard to know how a guy's going to progress uh, from last fall to now. Again, not to become a broken record but with no spring practice it's hard to know uh how much they were able to improve on their own so i'm sure it's something the coaches will all be very interested to see but all three guys you mentioned i would assume will be in the 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 mix for that two deep um and it'll be interesting to see maybe if uh you know they start to to use moss and and uh julius brents in those nickel dime packages who plays the cash. We still don't know um, there too. So one of those guys could figure into the cash position 
if um, Dane Belton ends up going back and taking the strong safety spot, which was vacated by the exit of Geno Stone. So a lot, not a lot, but there are, there are aspects of that secondary that need to be worked out here uh, this summer. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Thank you for the question, Joe. Chad Leistico, my friend from the Des Moines Register, longtime friend. I know I've talked about this on the podcast. Chad and I used to carpool to high school games back in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, when he was working at the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and I was at the Press Citizen, and uh, I remember some some cold drives and, and some weather and all that other stuff, but uh, I've known Chad for a long 20 years, over 20 years, so uh, appreciate his question, and uh, his question is, if there is, a, and I appreciate him listening to the to the podcast as well. I listen to his, uh, and you guys should too. It's the Hawk Central podcast with KXNO with uh, my friend Ross Peterson, a friend Mark Emmert and Chad do a great job. They have interviews a lot of times with assistant coaches. Uh, listen to uh, Derek Foster last week. Gives you great insight into the Iowa program. So. Highly recommend that podcast. And Chad asked, if there is a college football, if there is college football this fall, how much media, if any, do you think will be allowed to travel to the road games? That's a really good question, Chad. And, and uh, I try not to cheat too much on these questions and do too much prep work, although you advised otherwise. You know me. I'm more of a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants guy rather than actually prepare for <laughs> prepare for things. I do questions that I need to research. I do look up numbers and data and things like that, but more when it's an opinion or just kind of a, you know, speculation or something like that, like this question, I'm, I, I'm more apt to uh, fly by the seat of my pants. I don't know. I mean, I've taught, I'm sure you have too. I've talked to people at Iowa and what, you know, some, some models that they're looking at for the media, I think it's, again, it's May 27th. I think this stuff, you know, these, these decisions will, will happen over time here. I, I, I think these athletic departments are looking at all different ways to, um, you know, for allowing people into the stadium from fans to, you know, uh, people that help, you know, whatever, you know, security and, um, people that help on the sidelines and all, all that, you know, who we use the word essential. And this certainly isn't essential from an aspect of uh, what we've gone through during this pandemic and essential workers, but who, who is essential to be in there? Um, my guess is if they had to pick and choose, it's going to maybe be seniority. At least I'm hoping <laughs> from my perspective, because I'm one of the outcasts that runs a website. And, uh, and then also you're looking probably at tradi- more traditional, quote unquote, traditional media, newspapers. Um, I just wonder, there's so many questions I've thought about, and I'm sure you have too, Chad, from a media standpoint. Um, you know, what type of access do TV stations have? Uh, who, who among us is allowed on the sideline? How many photographers? How close are we to the benches? Uh, you know, pregame, we're, we're normally out shooting, you know, on the, on the field photos of the swarm coming out. And, you know, it's, there's so much to, to be determined here. Um, I, I, I really, it's a great question. And I think, uh, you know, just not to be, not to cop out, but I think it's something we learn over time. Um, But I know, uh, you know, travel is probably going to be a little tricky too, especially with Penn state and Ohio state this year. Um, You know, flights, 
rent a cars, things like that. What, what's, you know, all that stuff is going to be, you know, and then I, I think, you know, we'd be naive to think, not consider, um, you know, the, the uh, finances of, of the entities that we work for. Uh, can they afford to send us? Uh, can they afford not to send us? Uh, so many questions. It's a great question to ponder. Um, and I think it just kind of ties in with, uh, you know, fans wanting to know if they're going to be allowed in and, and how many are going to be allowed in. Uh, these are tough decisions, man. I'm glad I don't have to make them. Uh, but I'll be interested to see how that thing shake at, shakes out. And hopefully I get to get to see you soon, Chad. I hope you're doing well. Chad has uh, his mother-in-law living with them. Uh, she's in the high-risk category. And uh, so he's being real, real cautious uh, during uh, – the pandemic as we all should be. And, uh, you know, heart goes out to him. Hopefully everybody's safe, safe where, where, where he is in his home and hopefully everybody stays safe, but we'll talk to you soon, Chad. Thanks for the question. Hawk takes at Hawk takes pod. Uh, Hawk takes must have a pod. I'll have to check that out after this with the returning talent, a wide receiver. Do you expect to see Tyler Goodson line up out wide much this season? Uh, much probably not. I just don't think you need him to do that. Um, I could see maybe bumping him into the slot at times and putting him in motion and doing some different things that way. Um, just to kind of keep the defense on its heels a little bit. Uh, but I just, I don't think you need to line him up wide. Um, but there certainly can be some formations. I think where you can give opponents opposing defenses is, excuse me, I uh, shouldn't eat lunch before this podcast. Um, we can give opposing defenses different looks, things to think about, pre-snap stuff. So um, I think Tyler Goodson's going to get uh, the bulk of the running back carries with Makai Sargent also working his way into that mix. Um, and then after that, we'll see what happens. But uh, looking forward to seeing year two of Tyler Goodson, no question. Um, see this. His guy's name is so long. Uh, Brent Duhame, I believe it's pronounced. Brett Duhame, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Um, as looking at all the coaches across the University of Iowa athletic program, there's tremendous stability in the coaching ranks. What is the secret sauce? Well, Brent, I would say it's probably the fair media coverage and the um, – media members that the coaches get to interact with here. Uh, you know, it's, it's at another level without question. And, and uh, I'm sure they all appreciate that <laughs> tongue in cheek. If obviously you can't see me, but the tongue was firmly planted in cheek there. I, I, there are a number of factors here, not the least of which is Iowa is good to its coaches uh, financially uh, support, support from a su- support aspect. Um, you know, uh, you, you even look at assistants don't usually uh, haven't left here very often. So, uh, you know, that's that's a big part of it. And, so, you know, I, I think Gary Barta is somebody they enjoy working for. Uh, this is a great place to live and raise a family. Uh, many of these coaches have have uh, have children that are in the school system here, which is great. Uh, just a lot of factors that go into it. And it's really happiness, right? Whatever the whatever those factors are that I named, it's all they all kind of come together, and it's a matter and uh, of being happy. 
And obviously, if you're happy, you're st- you stay. If not, you start looking elsewhere. So I think all of those things probably feed into the reasons why there's a lot of stability in the Hawkeye athletic department. And uh, I think that's all on Twitter. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let me see here. I had another question, I think, by somebody who didn't use the... uh, uh, didn't use the hashtag, but the question was good enough that I will, uh, Travis at Travis four, six, two, seven, six, two, four, three. Now I happen to see this, even though he didn't use the HN mail hashtag, I happened to see this when he asked the question and I thought enough of it to go back. How ironic would it be if John Miller exited Hawkeye nation the year before Iowa basketball became national championships? national champions. That would be very ironic. And if John uh, had any desire to come back and help coverage of said national championship, he would be welcome with open arms. And, and there wouldn't be anybody out there happier in the fan base than John Miller if, if Hawkeye basketball was able to do that. So thanks for the question, Travis. Use the HN mail hashtag. <laughs> scolding somebody said i scolded lucy rodine on the on the twitter yesterday but that's another story for another day that's where that term was in my head um i have no love for bar barstool sports uh but that's another pod for another day uh let's see here that let's go to the message boards that does it for twitter we're moving relatively crisp crisply today through uh our podcast which is good uh, I will start, let me start with basketball since that's more off season, if I could say. They're both off season, but football season uh, will be upon us hopefully sooner than later. Uh, so let's go to the basketball board and basketball questions. TMS1989 asks, are players able to work out together or practice as a team right now? As far as I know, there are, there are guys working out together, TMS, and it's kind of a social distancing thing and trying to do all, take, follow all the guidelines. Um, I don't believe that they're, they're, they're still not allowed to, to, to work out as, you know, five on five, do that type of stuff uh, on campus. Um, but they certainly could get together on their own and play. We're in a state in Iowa where things are open again, where the, where the state's basically open again. So nothing is restricting them from doing that. And if they, they take proper precautions, which I know they've been schooled in, they can work out together. And I believe some of them are, and that's as far as I'm going with that. Has there been any news regarding McCaffrey redshirt waiver. This is Patrick McCaffrey, and I have not heard any update on that team. As I would, I would imagine something would be coming along relatively soon. Uh, the NCAA is probably pretty busy right now trying to figure out how to get um, live sports back. So I'm not sure where they are in terms of uh, waivers. We've already seen Bohannon and Nunji 
And uh, Patrick's got time. I mean, it's not something he's going to play next year anyway, and the waiver wouldn't be used until down the line. So probably they may prioritize these things. I'm kind of speculating here, but that's kind of what my thought is on that. So we will let you know when we know, and hopefully it's soon. What do you ex- who do you expect to improve the most from last year to this year? Uh, I am going to go this. I may have had this question in another form before. Um, I think Joe Toussaint has the most room to grow. So I would say improve the most from last year to this year. I'm going to say Joe Toussaint. If we're looking at a guy that's going to maybe take his game to the next level, uh, you know, up a notch to where he's considered, you know, a a main target of other teams scouting reports, I'm going to say CJ Frederick. I think if he hadn't gotten hurt and kind of had a roller coaster type season last year in terms of health, I think we would have seen, we would have seen greater strides. If he's healthy, I I think that I, I underestimated this kid. I didn't think he'd be that good. Um, This good so soon, I should say. But I think he has a chance to be really, really good. And he, he plays with the, the edge that you like. Uh, so that's kind of a, a give you, I kind of give you two answers there. But if you're looking for most improved, biggest, you know, in terms of, you know, size, uh, volume, I, I would probably say Joe Toussaint. And then what are your expectations for the three players returning from injury? PMAC, Nunji, and Jabo. Um, expectations for all three. Uh, I all I think all of them will be key components to this team. Uh, this is Luca Garza's team. I don't think anybody uh, would argue that. Uh, we saw last year he earned that last season. If he's back, which I think he will be, he's the, he's what he's who you go through. He he is the he is the number one option. And the, the, nobody should have a problem with that. I, I think Joe Wieskamp is probably option number two. He, he, I know people got on him. He, he did not have, he did not finish last season the way he wanted to. I, I'm upset for him. I think he may have had a chance of all the guys on Iowa's team when the refereeing became a little bit more tight and some of the clutching and grabbing wasn't allowed, maybe in the Big Ten tournament, but for sure in the NCAA tournament, I think that would have benefited Joe the most. And I think he spent this offseason learning how to combat some of the tactics that were used against him last year, which, again, is creative clutching and grabbing that that's not called in the Big Ten to, to slow his, his freedom of movement. But uh, not making excuses for Joe because Joe has to find a way to figure those things out and be better. So kind of got off on a tangent there. But anyway, my point was Garza and Wieskamp are your top two options. After that, you know, I, I think Frederick is a possibility. I think Jordan Bohannon is a possibility. Uh, you know, Connor McCaffrey is going to have his role within the offense and, and, and distributing and, and, you know, keeping the offense moving. Uh, I think Nunji can be a guy that can really benefit from Luca Garza. Uh, he's now what? Uh, what's he been? He's played a year, 
out to this will be his fourth year on campus already and uh so he's getting bigger he's getting stronger and he's versatile enough where I really think he can benefit from Garza and I'm not sure just from a numbers standpoint um what these guys are going to do, if that's what you're asking, I just think they'll all be key contributors. And, and Patrick McCaffrey is, is um, for those that haven't seen him play a lot, he, he's a he's a he's an explosive type athlete who's getting stronger uh, and can score in a variety of ways. He's long and defend defending. I think he'll have a role and. Uh, uh, be able to play a role this year. I don't expect him to be, you know, a major contributor, but I certainly see him having a role. Uh, Hawkeye's gone wild. The years you've been covering uh, Hawkeye, if you could pick any player during that time and make your favorite starting five. Oh, Whew. all right. Um, so this is one that I should have researched. Uh, this is a question I, I must have read over Hawkeye's Gone Wild, and I apologize for that. So this is coming off the top of my head without a whole lot of thought. Uh, I think you start with Garza at center. I think that's a no-brainer. Um, I started covering Iowa basketball during Tom Davis's last two seasons. So if I'm going with a, with a starting five, uh, man, this is hard. All right, and I'm going to probably show some biases here, but uh, I'm going to go with um, – man. Gars is like my only no-brainer at center right now. Um, I've got good power forwards, Broner and Aaron White, um, Reggie Evans. Um, I'm going to put Reggie at power forward because I think with Luca he would be a great compliment. So I'll go with Garza and Reggie. Uh, small forward. Man, I guess I could try to put Aaron White there. Jared Utoff there. Uh, Wieskamp. Um, Haluska, I guess, would maybe be more of a two-guard. Uh, so let me go point guard. Let me – I'm sorry that I'm taking up and just kind of going through my head here uh, and, and working this out in real time. I apologize. Uh, I'm just going to go quick here and I can change. I'll change my mind and give you another starting five next week, but uh, I will go at point guard. I will go with Jeff Horner at the two guard. I will go with. Oh, uh, Alaska's hard to leave off. I'm going to go with Devin Marble. So give me Horner, Devin Marble, Jared Utoff, Reggie Evans, and Luca Garza. Sorry, I need more time to think about this. <laughs> and you gave me more time because you asked this question yesterday at this time. So that's my fault. My bad for not thinking more about that. And I'm sure people are yelling at their radio, their devices right now of somebody that I left off, but those are the guys off the top of my head. Uh, Spider Rico asked multiple questions. Uh, knowing Jabo like you do, were you surprised by Jabo considering transferring according to Lystico's piece? Um, 
Yeah, Chad did catch up with Jabo. I, I recommend, uh, encourage people to read that on the register. I know because when Goodman and Jeff Goodman and John Rothstein put out there that it was a possibility, I know those guys didn't just, they don't just throw things out there that they've never heard. That came, that obviously came from uh, someone close to Jordan, if not Jordan himself. So, um, and I mentioned this before, uh, you know, I, I talked to Bobby Hansen years ago, uh, and he th- he thought about transferring uh, after his freshman or during his freshman season. Uh, I think I've talked to Greg Bruner, and same thing with him. It's not easy. It, it's just not easy to um, – and now the landscape has, you know, cleared up so much for – people to, to, to move and, and try to go for the, you know, to a better situation. But uh, it surprised me a little. It would have surprised me more if he actually did it. Um, I, I think Jordan, you know, with the Chris Street story and, uh, you know, last year at Iowa State with the shoes, it just, it would be weird if he would have left. Um, and I get that, you know, he wanted to go somewhere and win. And it's, I'm glad he didn't have to go somewhere else to win. And, uh, but it doesn't surprise me whenever guys think about or consider transferring. It just, it's, it's part of the landscape. It's part of college, fo- college football and basketball right now. So hearing that somebody is thinking about that does not surprise me. Number two, is the fact that Luca is back in Iowa City a pretty telltale sign that he's coming back? I think it helps. Um, certainly helps spider and um and uh, we talked about this previously the june 3rd deadline for withdrawing your name from the draft and coming back to college has been pushed back there is no date right now so he does not have to make a decision next week like he was uh scheduled to have to do uh so nothing uh but he's back here and he's working out and you know he's picking up playing pickup with guys and he's um He's, I mean, he has to be, it's just another, he has to be given a concrete spot on a roster is what he said to make him leave here. And I just, with all that's going on and this evaluation process being slowed by the quarantine, I'm just not sure that he can, he'll get that. Um, things change, but it's, it's, a, it's a fluid situation, but I would say, I don't know, put a percentage on it, but I feel pretty confident that he will be coming back. Number three, do you think Fran reverts to a 10 or 11 man rotation next year? Or do you think he's learned that an eight and nine man rotation is better for consistency and cohesion, maybe 10 or 11 man rotation early and then shrink it to eight or nine start of conference. Yeah. And he's done that in past, you know, kind of worked out rotations and, 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 you know, um, you know, combinations that he feel, feels works the best together. Um, he's got a lot of options this year and a lot of versatility. And yeah, I think we're going to see a, a deeper rotation. I think they probably go at least 10 deep um, and maybe 11. Cause I do think some of the true freshmen are going to play because you need to at least get them some time because you're losing so many guys. I don't say so many, but you're, you're getting guys that are going into be upperclassmen now and, and you're going to lose experience the next two years. You have to start to prepare some of the younger guys for playing. Uh, B gold. BJ Armstrong said that the one coaching opportunity he could never turn down is to coach Iowa. Do you see that as a possibility down the road? I do not. I think, uh, 
I think BJ is pretty happy uh, with what he's got going on in his life, which I believe is uh, he's a sports agent now. Correct me if I'm wrong there, uh, but I think that's what he's doing these days. Uh, and BJ's 52. He's not a spring chicken anymore, and he doesn't really have coaching experience. Uh, and we've seen other guys jump in, uh, former players that have jumped in and, uh, you know, became coaches. Uh, but a lot of those guys kind of worked their way. Even Patrick Ewing was an assistant. Um, I'm not sure about Chris Mullen. And, and Penny Hardaway, I think, ran an AAU program. But those are just some guys off the top of my head that uh, uh, come to mind when I think about former, uh, you know, players that have uh, gone to the bench in college. Oh, I'm trying to think here. Um, I'm looking up on Wikipedia what BJ's doing this day, these days. I'm sure you guys who watched uh, – the last dance know what he's doing, but uh, he EVP and Manning. Ex- yeah. He's an agent, right? Yes. He's an agent. So I think he's doing pretty well financially there. Um, and uh, I think he's pretty happy with he's what he's doing. So I would say, uh, I would say I, I would not anticipate BJ coming back and coaching Iowa basketball, but I am interested to see if guys like Matt Gatons, Jeff Horner and, and Dean Oliver, uh, guys that are in college coaching will eventually come back uh, and be on the Iowa bench at some point. And that is it for the basketball board. We're left with football. And I think none too soon because we are, uh, we're deep into this podcast. Holmes asks, how much longer will Kirk coach? Sound? Second question, is there a succession plan? for when Kirk retires. Last question, when he does retire, will they keep in-house or go outside to hire a coach? Many have opined that it will be Bryant, excuse me, but that's the best, that's, that's at best an educated guest to us outsiders. If I had to, and Holmes then offers his own uh, insight, which I appreciate. If I had to guess, I'd say the COVID-19 Before COVID-19, it was two years after COVID-19, which gave Kirk a window into what retirement looks like. It could could have scared the crap out of him, so it will be five years. Um, As I mentioned uh, on the site, and uh, I think we've talked about on the podcast, Kirk will be 65 on August 1st. So um, just keep that in mind when, when we're talking about that. He's, he's a, in very good shape for 65. So it's not somebody I think that will retire for health reasons. I think it'll just be, he wants to enjoy uh, the latter years of his life with Mary and his grandkids and uh, knows it's time to. So the, to answer your first question, how much longer do I think he coaches I don't think he knows. I, I, I honestly don't think he knows. And I've talked to him about this and other people have asked him, you know, when it's going to be. Uh, and it just, I, I think he just takes it year to year. I, I don't think he says, okay, I'm going to coach two more years and leave, or I'm going to coach three or four more years and that'll be it. I think he'll know when it's time and he'll keep going until that time comes. Is there a succession plan in place? A formal succession plan? Absolutely not. But the goal here is to for Brian to to, to uh, succeed his father, and 
I don't, I don't know if you could get either one of those guys to admit that. Uh, but I, whether maybe it's even in their subconscious, that's what I think people would like to see happen. I think Brian taking over for his father is what people would like to see happen. What makes that happen? I don't know. Uh, I, I think they, they have to cont- continue to have sex, sex, sorry about that success. I don't think you can fall back to what we saw here, you know, 12, 2012 to 14. I think you need to keep this train rolling su- success wise. Brian has to succeed all, all with his offense. Um, and who knows? Maybe it's Phil Parker. Maybe Phil Parker gets, you know, gets it until he retires and then it's Brian. Uh, and I'm just spitballing there. Uh, but I do think it will be somebody that is connected to the program. I just, I don't see, I think Kirk will have a lot of say in who his successor is just like Hayden Fry did. Uh, so thanks for the question. Holmes spider Rico asks sort of piggybacking off Holmes's question above. Does Gary and AF retire together? Do Gary, so do Gary Barter and Kirk, I, I don't think that's the decision that's been made. I know Gary Dolphin and Ed Polak are going to retire at the same time from the Iowa football broadcast, but I, I who knows? Gary, I, Gary's quite a bit younger than Kirk, I think. He's probably seven, maybe seven years younger, six, seven years younger than Kirk, so uh, not sure they'll go out at the same time. In fact, I, I would be surprised if they even talked about that. Will they? Eh, it could happen. Number two, if they do retire together, who do you think would be in line for the next AD? Does the UI go the diversity route and promote Barbara Burke? Do they pull Gene Taylor from Kansas State, someone else? Yeah, Iowa has a knack for, but, you know, Gary Barta was not somebody within, um, you know, the Hawkeye family. Uh, But I think Barbara Burke would be a solid choice, and I think she's probably building her resume to to put her hat in the ring. Uh, Gene Taylor would be, you know, was very well liked here and did a, outstanding job in his role and I think made a real good hire at Kansas State and uh, I think is building his resume there so I think those are two really good candidates but I will be perfectly honest with you I don't know I don't pay a lot of attention to administrators Um, that's probably my my bad and, and, and you know something that I should do a better job of. So I'm not really sure who else may be out there as a, as a candidate. Uh, I don't think any of us probably heard of Gary Barter before he was hired. Uh, so we'll kind of have to see it. And I, I know people sometimes hate when I use the word fluid, but it is, I mean, there could be a guy now who's, or, or uh, a woman, a guy or a gal right now, you know, male, female, uh, who's who's building his or her resume right now, but that by the time Gary Barta decides to retire, ends up being a candidate that may not be a candidate now. So kind of see, well, time will tell. I don't think Gary's close to retirement right now, and I could be off on that, but uh, we'll kind of have to see how it goes. And number three from Spider, do you think Wisconsin running backs could have as much success if they played at Iowa as they do at Wisconsin? In other words, is our running game issues – a lack of consistent overall talent at running back, or is it the scheme? I think it's a combination, and I don't say that as a knock on the running backs that have come through here, uh, but we've talked about it before. Uh, I was, I believe, had two running backs in the Kirk Ferentz era that have been drafted. Uh, Liddell Betts, who he inherited from, from Hayden Fry, uh, and um, Sean Green, 
who was drafted in 2008, a long, long time ago. So I think part of it is that. And now, granted, running backs aren't a hot commodity in the NFL right now. They're they're kind of even seen as dispose. Uh, it's seen sometimes as a disposable position, uh, and one with with great turnover. So, there you know teams are not investing a whole lot of draft uh, equity in running backs. So that could be part of it too. But there really aren't haven't been any running backs from Iowa even sticking in the league. So I think that's part of it. And then we've talked about it before on this podcast, Spider. They do need to find different ways to get their running backs freed up. Inside zone, outside zone. They've had good offensive line lines here, and defenses are still finding a way uh, to beat it. And there are we see too many times where the running back does not have a chance, and that can't happen. Something has to change there. Uh, more hat on hat, more misdirection plays, uh, some running – uh, with the receivers. Uh, and I mentioned earlier, uh, Derek Foster uh, was on the Hawk Central podcast last week with with Chad Ross and, uh, and Mark, and he mentioned that uh, the Iowa running backs, when you take away wide receivers, Nate Stanley sack losses, which counts against rushing yards, averaged 4.9 yards per carry last year. That's not too bad. You'll take that. They just have to find ways to not have negative plays. They have to be more consistent, not have negative plays, uh, plays that go for a yard. You're going to have them. You just can't have too many of them. So I think it's a combination of both, Spider. Hawkeye's Gone Wild asked, well, Jack Teflon on, with Jack Teflon on board, do you feel better about the, the defensive line? Oh, I'm sorry. He corrected himself on the the – uh, on the following post, Jack Heflin is who he's referring to the graduate transfer from Northern Illinois, uh, who announced last week that he's a uh, defensive tackle who announced that he is uh, joining the Iowa program. And yeah, I feel a lot better about the defensive line, having experienced defensive tackle in there. Uh, the question marks really are, are on the defensive uh, with defensive end. I think, uh, you know, with the rotation of Heflin, uh, Davion Nixon, Austin Schulte at tackle, I think you're really solid there. Noah Shannon, probably the next guy there. I think you're a solid four there. You talk about a guy like Logan Lee, um, Logan Jones, who's coming in as a true freshman uh, this year. There, there, there's depth there at defensive tackle. I think Iowa is okay, and Heflin really, really solidifies that for me. Defensive end, I think, is still the question mark, though. Uh, you know, Golston is, uh, uh, you know, uh, a two or not a two-year starter, but really a two-year contributor um, and a, and a one-year starter. I, I think you kind of know what you get with him, and you hope that as a fifth-year senior, he takes the next step uh, as a player and is even more productive. And I would not put that past him. Chauncey is a really, really, really hard worker, uh, and has worked to get to the point he's at. And he can see, you know, that carrot dangling of the NFL. He wants to be as good as he can be as well. Um, but what happens at that other spot and what happens behind him in terms of getting a rotation, that's one of the biggest question marks I think that faces the Iowa defensive staff and maybe the whole team this summer uh getting prepared for a season so we'll have to see you know uh Waniger Waniger Wagoner excuse me John Wagoner Joe Evans um 
who else am I missing out there? There are other guys that that uh, that played last year that are behind those two guys or behind, or with that group. Um, oh, um, Van Valkenburg, uh, the transfer from uh, Hillsdale College. Um, so, and then there's the the new guys that are coming in. So I'm not going to go through all the names at defensive end. We can talk about that in a later podcast. But that's really the question for Mark for me is is uh, and and I don't know. Can you kick Davian Nixon out to defensive end? Maybe that's a possibility. He's a pretty good athlete, but he's 315 pounds and he's about six two. So we'd have to see how quick he could be off the edge. He certainly could be a power guy. Uh, Motobasan asks, now that all the athletes will be allowed to return to work, have you had a feel when recruits were able to visit? I do not know. As I said, and we've talked about on this pod, it goes through June. Uh, I think a decision will probably be made somewhere early June, middle June, uh, if they extend that dead period through July. Um, the focus right now is really on getting the football season started. So coaches are going to be focused on that. I'm not sure how much they want to integrate recruiting into that. My guess would be August, but that is a pure guess and speculation. I think they'll want to see what happens for a month or two on campuses in terms of if there's spread of the virus, how safe is it before they start allowing um, uh, high school kids on campus because these are, are no these are these are uh, free agents for lack of a better term teenagers minors that you're bringing on campus if you were to 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 get them sick um, and maybe there's a waiver system for them to sign to to take visits I don't know just a lot of unanswered questions but no Motivasan I do not have an idea or a feel for when that would happen I'm completely speculating but I think those are some of the factors that will be looked at safety basically is it safe how safe is it what are we liable for those are some of the questions you have to ask yourself motobasan again asks it feels like this is the most players that have entered the transfer portal so far will this push our recruiting player class to limit 25 player limit I don't know if it'll go that high I was of the belief that it's going to be in the low 20s it'll probably stay there um Iowa has a tendency to, to award uh, walk-ons with scholarships. Um, we saw that at the end of last season uh, with Kerner and uh, Keith Duncan and uh, uh, the offense. Kyler Schott all got, all got were told they were going to get scholarships after the Nebraska game. So there'll be some flexibility there for walk-ons. Um, so, again, I know you guys hate this, but it is kind of fluid. Uh, the uh, Iowa, um, you know, is, is, is pretty much up against the scholarship limit now or close to it. I've lost, I kind of lost track with all the movement recently, but um, we'll kind of have to see how things play out in the fall before we can really get a feel of how big this class will end up. Uh, B gold. I think you've asked this question before B gold, and I think you want an update. And I probably was off on the last time you asked this. So take this with a grain of salt. Of these five recruits, how would you rank them in terms of most likely to commit to Iowa to least likely? And the five names that he um, offers us are Thomas Fedone, tight end out of Council Bluffs, Lewis Central, Ricky Parks, running back from Tampa, Joe Alt, John Alt's son from Minnesota, Skylar Bell, a receiver from Connecticut, and Michael Mislinski, a center from Tampa from the Florida area. 
or maybe it's Jacksonville, Jacksonville. I'm off on that. But anyway, how would I rank those? Um, I think Skylar Bell, I would put as the most likely, uh, got a chance to do a story on him yesterday. Encourage you guys to read that. He kind of shares his thoughts on Iowa and pushing back his uh, commitment date. Uh, it was probably a good decision on his part. He just wasn't there yet um, in terms of being ready to make a decision. So decided to push that back, but he would definitely be number one for me clearly um, by far, if I could say that uh, after that, I would probably say Joe Walt just because he's a legacy um, and he's visited and he likes the staff and there's a connection between his dad and Kirk Ferentz. But if you hadn't heard Notre Dame offered Joe this week, and uh, that certainly uh, could change the picture here. It certainly does change the picture. Uh, I'm going to try to interview Joe here at uh, some point today or tomorrow and uh, have an update on him and, and uh, his relationship with Iowa and how things are going with Iowa. So stay tuned for that. And I have some other recruiting updates coming as well. So yeah, Bell 1, Alt 2. I'm going to go... Fedone three, although I don't feel great about him. Um, then I will say Mislinsky four and Parks five. Um, Parks has had some cryptic tweets uh, the last few days that uh, I don't know if they say something or anything or nothing or what, but. Uh, they're a little bit cryptic if you want to check those out. But uh, he has visited here. Uh, everybody on this list has visited with the exception of Ms. Linsky. Um, and I think that has to happen first. Um, I don't know what percentage I would put on any of these guys. I think Iowa stands is in really well positioned with Bell. I think it's well positioned with Alt. I think it's got a puncher's chance with the other three guys and Fedone being closer to Iowa city and having visited here multiple times uh, I think, and having friends that are already committed in his class to Iowa, I think gives Iowa a chance. I just, it's an instinctual thing. I just don't feel good about him ending up at Iowa. I hope I'm, I hope I am dead wrong. uh, But that's just kind of a feel that I have. Um, and, and which, you know, plenty of times doesn't mean a damn thing, but uh, just kind of, you guys ask my opinion or, or my feelings on things. And that's where the parks tweets have got me a little bit, uh, a little bit on tilt. And then uh, Ms. Linsky's got a visit and he's got a lot of really good offers and some that are real close to home. So that's always a challenge to pull uh, prospects far from home when they have high level programs after them close to home. So that is the last question. We did it again. Uh, I think we're right around an hour. So these are hitting about an hour, uh, give or take a few minutes every week. And that's because of you guys asking great questions and I appreciate your participation and hopefully we can continue to do this. As long as you have questions, I will try to have answers. Uh, I apologize. We did not have our flagship podcast this week with myself and Andrew Downs of KXNO. Um, we had Monday holiday. That's normally when we record and uh, Andrew's week got kind of jammed up uh, with, you know, with it being condensed into four days. So could not find a time to record this week. We will be back next Monday with plenty of t- to talk about in terms of the athletes coming back to campus. Uh, we have a Gary Barta zoom meeting 
tomorrow, Thursday, May 28th. So we should get some answers about uh, athletes and, and sports coming back uh, from Gary. So we'll have that to talk about. Um, did not have a Hawkeye history podcast this week. Um, trying to catch my breath a little bit here. It's been, uh, it's been normally I, I'm able to kind of catch my breath a little bit in May uh, after, and after um, spring ball in April, after going, you know, from pretty much from July through uh, the end of April, nonstop uh, covering sports and recruiting Iowa Hawkeye sports and recruiting. So I try to catch my breath a little bit, recharge my batteries and uh, going to start doing that probably the next couple weeks. So not sure I will have as many of the Hawkeye history podcasts uh, running out of uh, prospect podcasts too. Uh, I think I will have one with Logan Jones later this week. So look forward to that. If we can hook up a time together and those guys are going to be, back at, or, or making it to campus here in the next few weeks, probably. So uh, the 2020 class, will have to put a cap on the prospect podcast. We got through most of the class and uh, some guys um, tapped out, didn't want to do it, um, aren't real comfortable talking publicly. And I certainly understand that and appreciate them, uh, their honesty with that. And, um, and, and really appreciated the guys who did feel comfortable doing it. So little bit of update there. We've got uh, on the site, we have uh, a couple stories from Rick Brown. Uh, he talked about uh, the, the tight end legacy, uh, the last five years of Iowa football, how uh, things have gone well, kind of recovered from the end of 2014 when things went bad, capped with the Tax Slayer Bowl. Uh, and so Rick's got some stories this week as well. I've got some recruiting updates. We've got columns and opinions. Check out the message boards if you want to fight with people and argue about things other than the virus, which those that are listening to this podcast that are on the message boards know that I've become tweaked by that this week. Uh, just I want to get back to talking about Hawkeye sports. Uh, I can talk about the virus with friends and family and other platforms. I don't want to do it on the Hawkeye Nation message boards. I want that to be a sanctuary for talking Hawkeye sports. And that's my reasoning behind that. But uh, we will wrap up this edition um, of the Hawkeye Nation mailbag podcast. Again, I appreciate all of your questions this week as I do every week. And uh, we will be back and talk to you next week. It'll be June. Uh, actually, is next week, June 3rd. That's my birthday. Um, Maybe I'll do a podcast on my birthday. We'll have a per birthday podcast, but maybe not. But we'll do one at some point next week. So thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting the site. Thank you for reading. Thank you for supporting HawkeyeNation.com. This is Rob Howe, Hawkeye Nation publisher, and we will talk to you soon.